Hi guys and welcome to episode 33 of The Sweet Spot on a Farm. This is another episode about cold immersion or cold therapy, uh, wild water swimming and all of this. Uh, We have done a couple of episodes on this topic and there will probably be more. For this episode, I've interviewed the founder of the Dunagadee Chunky Dunkers, Martin Strain. Um, Chunky Dunkers is one of many wild water swimming groups around Northern Ireland and I feel really lucky to have been accepted to the group and dip into the cold in Dunagadi a couple of times with these guys. As I mentioned, Martin is the founder of this lovely group, but originally this wasn't supposed to be a podcast. Some of you know that I've been looking into the cold water therapy and this was one of my many research interviews. However, Martin has kindly agreed for our chat to be released as a podcast. And I do believe that the information Martin shares can help someone with a similar story. I hope you find as much value out of this conversation as I have. Enjoy. When and why you started Wild Swimming and what was it about for you? Uh, what was it about that? What was it about the Wild Swimming that made you want to do it? Yeah. Coincidentally, it's 10 years this month that, that I started. I had been retired from work due to mental health issues, depression and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And at its worst, it was almost the case where I was considering suicide. And I can, I, can, I can vividly remember leaving the house after an argument with my, my wife over nothing and walking down the, the harbour in Donaghadee and almost hearing somebody, a voice from nowhere saying, just just jump in and it'll be over all the pain and the anguish and the hurt will be, be over. And somewhere along the line, I can't, it's hard to get the, the timing right, but I was later on, I was walking with my dog at the very point we're doing this interview, and it was the summer of 2009 and I saw a couple of my old friends and cousins who were in swimming at the slipway here in Donoghadee I went left the dog at home and back down with a pair of just an old pair of football shorts and joined them for a swim and I had almost a a Forrest Gump moment in that I enjoyed it so much as Forrest Gump just kept on running while I just kept on swimming it was the case that over those summer months I found that the symptoms of, of the depression and the, the, the trauma were, weren't were just as severe. So my idea was I'll just keep on swimming for as long as I can, not having no idea at all that I would, that I would swim over the winter months. But all of a sudden it became Christmas and the next thing it was Easter and we're through to the next, the next summer. And the, the, my mental health situation had had improved so much. Uh, the, the depression wasn't nearly as bad. And basically, it's it's been it's been that way since then. So that's now, say, entering now my eleventh year of continually swimming, and rarely, 
rarely would I miss. If we're on holiday, I always get a swim somewhere. Um, but but Donaghy is my home, and it's the place where I feel most at, I'm most at home, and I feel most most peaceful. Um, and that's really it. Really, that's that's how it started. How did you find the cold at the start? Because obviously swimming here in wintertime, I mean, this is July, the water's freezing, absolutely freezing. And I mean, I go swimming in Bangor in, in wintertime and it's probably five to six degrees. I imagine here it's much colder than that. How did you find it at the beginning? I mean, now 10 years on, obviously you're used to it and it doesn't matter, but at the start it must have been really tough. The, 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 cold, the cold is an issue. You, you can't deny that, but uh, I was sort of born and born and reared in Donaghy, so I've been swimming in Donaghy basically all my life. Um, and if truth be told, the, the the initial getting in is as tough today as it was ten years ago. But once you get over that initial one or two minutes, you do become accustomed to it, and it, it's it's it has a it has a, a life affirming. Strength to it, it, it really, it's it's hard to quantify, hard to put into words. Just the, the benefit of I, the benefit I, I gain out of out of the cold, um, and obviously in the summertime we we spend longer in the water. But as 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 the, as the water as the temperature dips, as the temperatures uh, dip a wee bit. We we just cut our time back accordingly. Uh, like in the in the the dead of winter when temperatures can dip just below five we're, we're only staying in, in the water for maybe maybe at the most ten minutes uh, in fact initially for the first six or seven years when I was doing this pre pre the dunker situation when I was doing this by myself my rule of thumb uh, was for every degree I stayed in a minute so when it was five degrees I stayed five minutes uh, and that's that was that was the the rule of thumb that I just sort of brought to to, to to myself. Now we've extended that because we're more accustomed to it. It's normally for every degree we can do two minutes. So for for five degrees we're staying, ten, you know, we do five 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 minutes a swim out and five minutes swim back. But it, it's uh, each each season brings a different challenge, and I think that's that that is. That's a big part of it, you know. That when the summer season comes, you can stay, stay longer. So you're you're increasing your distances, you're increasing your your, uh, your your time in the water, and it's it's a challenge, and it's it's uh, it's 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 so so life affirming. I think that's the only way I can put it. That, that you know, it, it brings it makes you feel alive, and it, it's I suppose the cold water shocks you out of. Uh, I remember in the early days, I described it as having. Uh, electric shock treatment every day of the year because uh, it does shock you into life and it, it's it's very it's, it's very it's very rarely you come out of out of the water and don't feel better than when you went in in fact I don't think that has ever happened um, so I think that I hope, I hope that answers that that part of the question that's why I understand how it can help for any sort of mental health issues is when you come out of water I feel like Suddenly, no matter what is happening, life is worth living. It feels like it just wakes you up into life is awesome. It it it's, it's, it really does have an amazing effect. It, even even physical ailments. There's times you know 
I don't, I don't enjoy the best of health and uh, even like simple things like a headache. So if I know I'm coming for a swim, I'll not take a headache pill because I know by the time I come out of the swim, the headache will be gone. It, it, is, it is really, it's remarkable. It really is. It, it's so, so, so difficult to put into words and to quantify the, the impact that it has had on my life. It, it really has it's changed my life around because I literally was on the brink of of, of suicide. I, you know, um, I was in a real dark place, and whilst it hasn't it hasn't cured me, I still take medication. I still have my low times. It is nothing like the severity of it was pre-swimming. It it has changed my life, and reflecting now on. On, on the Dunkers phenomenon, as, as the, one of the, the Americans shared with us, she sees it as, as a phenomenon. Uh, reflect on it, I would say, without fear of contradiction and without breaking any confidence in the group, that I would say somewhere between 70 and 80% of our group have mental health issues of, of some shape or form. Um, and the, the difference you, we see in people on a, on a daily basis uh, and the sense of community it has created, is, it's, it's remarkable. It, it really is quite remarkable. Um, and I just, I just wish I knew how to market it, you know, because I, I feel like you, you could be a really rich man. Not that that's not that that's why we do it, but it, it, it is remarkable, and it, it'd be lovely to share it with other, with other people. Uh, our, our group has just been such such a blessing, and people are, people sort of say people often ask me, you know, how did how did it happen, or how did, and I'm reluctant to say this, but how did you how did you how did you start this, and it it really it wasn't like that. It was just a case. It, it grew very, very naturally. It, it wasn't. We didn't evangelise the place to for, to get people to come and come and swim. It was just a case that there was half a dozen of us, and one or two people came, and then that one or two people brought an extra one or two of their friends and relations, and from very small beginnings, we we have a, a Facebook group now with over thirteen hundred people on it. Now they don't. They all don't come. Obviously, the we couldn't cope with that. But on a, you know, get for us getting sixty and seventy people here is 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 incredible. That these people come down and uh, such a, a sense of community and and the mental health benefits to it's it's incredible. You mentioned that uh, there was the pre-Dunkers period when you just came for a swim by yourself for mm-hmm. about six or seven years. Yeah. So is it really how that happened Then people just kind of started joining you? The big thing was how, how that, that transformation from, from uh, what was a family thing because it was basically myself, my wife Catherine, my sister Alison, my two cousins, Leslie Carn. And their husbands, Michael and Alistair, that was really all it was. And it, we met on a daily basis, but it was it was done by word of mouth. You know, because we were we were all related, we were able to say, "We'll see you tomorrow at twelve o'clock." Uh, and if if, you, if 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 they weren't here that day, well, then they would have rang up and say, "What time are you going tomorrow?" 
But then when, when the numbers grew a wee bit, <coughs> which basically was three years ago in September, the, the people from outside from outside the family uh, sort of wanted to come along. I came up with the idea of, put, of creating a Facebook group. Um, it was it was called the Donaghy Chunky Dunkers, and that its sole purpose was was just to let people know uh, the time of her daily swim, and that 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 was how that is, saw, saw the growth. When it started, I think our initial membership was, I think it was maybe thirteen or fourteen, and now we're thirteen or fourteen hundred members of that Facebook group. And if truth be told, if we were to open that door. You could double that on a on a daily, but there's very rarely, there's very rarely, particularly at this time of the year, we're not getting maybe three or four people applying to the group on a daily basis. Uh, not all of those, not all of those people are wanting to join for the right reasons. The big thing is we are we are solely a skins group, and that creates a problem because people want to come here and swim with wetsuits on. Well. Uh, and as I say, that has created the problems. And that's that's one of the questions we put to people: Do you want? To, will you swim with a wetsuit? And that's the, that's the only our only rule. And and I, th- I think it is the, the simplicity of that is is our strength. That we, we don't have any complicated rules. If if you want to come and swim, just in a swimsuit, you come along, and you're, you we welcome everybody. There's there's no there's no judgment regarding size, religion. Your gender, or age, or your capabilities. There's people who can go out here and swim. There's channel swimmers swim with us. There's there's fellas and girls who come up who can't leave the slip, but that's okay. Just come up and do it. Do do what's good for you, and you get a cup of coffee after it, and and we we'll, we we'll talk and we we'll put the world to right, and all of us. You go home after, it and you definitely feel you you feel brighter after being here. It is a lovely start of the day. Um, you swim every day. The times change. Obviously, it, it has to do with the tide. But how would you compare, or would you be able to compare? Have you ever tried um, cold swim in a pool, and how does that compare to the wild swim in an open water? Uh, my only experience of pool swimming would would be uh, chlorinated. Uh, Swimming, and it's like day and night. I I just I just couldn't do it. I I couldn't. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the. I think it's a boredom thing. Um, um, unbelievably, there's, there's I don't know. There's a board in our Facebook group, uh, and we call it the Special K Club. Several of us over in the summer months we challenged ourselves that we would swim a, a kilometer, which for for us, because we're we consider ourselves dunkers rather than swimmers, and we just go out and we mess around. But half a dozen of us done a, a kilometre, and then other members of the group got got to, got to uh, say, "Well, let's challenge ourselves, and we'll do it. We'll we'll, we'll try and swim." Okay, and so we we now have a group of of almost seventy, I think it's sixty-eight or sixty-nine people, who have swam a full kilometre in the in the cold sea and we're talking people here at 68, 69 years of age we're talking people here who are maybe over 20 stone we're talking people here who have real serious mental health issues who have who have pushed themselves around a kilometre in the open sea now if you go and say to them or challenge them to swim 
40 lengths of a 25 metre pool that I couldn't do that I know I couldn't do that but yet they, they have pushed themselves and the, the the joy on these people's faces when they come out and all 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 they get out of that is their name on a, a wee the special K club we call it wall on Facebook and the pride they have in themselves and the, the self-respect and, and, and the, the, the enjoyment it gives them is, is unbelievable. And I just go back to your question was, was about the difference between swimming in, in open water and swimming in the pool. It's like night and day and you just literally couldn't compare it because I have since done a, the, the Copeland Island swim which is two, two and a half miles. I couldn't do... I couldn't do 20 lengths in the, in the pool. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. It's, um, <laughs> I, I used to swim in a pool. I, I hate the smell as well. And it's the, the amount of detox the body has to go through after you've spent mm. such a long time in, in chlorinated water, yeah. it's unreal. And I used to swim 1,500 metres and then worked my way up to 2,000 uh, metres. And I... I had to stop it because I was bored to tears. Absolutely. <laughs> After 500 meters, I was just like, "Oh my god, okay, do another 500." And then when you do a thousand, it's just like uh, I'm bored. I don't want to do this anymore. So when I worked my way up to 2k, it was just like, "This is actually really boring." And I stopped coming to the pool because I couldn't do it. And yes. when you compare, like doing a thousand meters in a pool, it is an yep. achievement. But when you compare it to swimming in open water. Actually, it's not that much of an achievement. Swimming in open sea is so much harder, and I completely, even 500 meters in that sort of water, is to me a massive, massive accomplishment, and I would be proud of myself. I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, but yet there's a contradiction there, because it may be harder to do, but I couldn't do it in the pool. So, so do you see the contradiction? Yeah. The, the, yeah. There is a contradiction, you know, and I would, I would lay odds that that ninety percent of those seventy people who have swam the K here couldn't do it in the pool, but yet it's a harder thing to do it in the water. Yeah. And, and I think it, perhaps, it, is it just mental? Maybe it's just a mental thing, a mental block that that's gone up and down. It's tedious. It, it become it literally is te- tedious, going up and down, and you're looking at the same thing, and you're following a black line along the. <laughs> The, the middle, you know, and just even the way you're describing. I mean, it's exactly how it is, but it's just bores me even think about it's it. Dreadful. <laughs> it's dreadful. It's, uh, uh, it, it's 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 not it's not it's just horses for courses, really, in many ways. Because what you know, for the people to come from the pool and try to do what we do, they would think this is awful. You know, that, that there's no right and wrong in the issue. It's it's just what's right for you. Uh, and I would have to say from from a from my point of view, and from I think it's fair for me to speak on behalf of, of the Donoghue Chunky Dunkers and the people who come here, they they just wouldn't compare going. I wouldn't consider rather going into the pool. And the truth is, when you get out of uh, the open sea, I feel you get enormous amount of joy that you just wouldn't get getting out of a pool. Because I never remember feeling this sense of accomplishment and suddenly feeling the life running through your veins this, the same way you get when you get out of the seawater. I, I never felt like that in a pool. I'm reluctant to say this because it can be misconstrued as being cookie or something other, 
but particularly in the early days when we when we we swam when there was only two or three of us maybe you know and you went out into the pool and it was so still there's almost a spirituality to it there's almost a oneness with nature that perhaps now that what we're doing it's more about distance and more about time we've lost that sense of that you know just of just going in and we just we just floated about and and there was the honestly the honestly at, at certain times and you, you couldn't it's hard to just to quantify exactly when that or when that would happen and and things like that but there was there's times you went out and you felt just so so at one and at peace um that you, I don't ever imagine you get that in a swimming pool uh, my wife and myself would have, in a, in a previous life, had had strong Christian beliefs. Catherine would have still have them more than I would. Uh, so we're, 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 we are aware of that aspect, and I'm not undermining that. But I do. There was a time in the water in the early days. It was just such a you get receive such a blessing. You really do. There are. Um quite a few groups now around Northern Ireland and Ireland for that matter and wild swimming has a really long tradition um, long tradition here in history were you aware of that at all when you started? Well, Donoghadee I'm, I'm sort of born and reared in Donoghadee Donoghadee is a, in a unique position in that, in that it's, it's the nearest point to Scotland and, uh, which is Donoghadee to Port Patrick, which is 21 miles as the crow flies. Uh, and being reared in Donoghadee and always being a keen swimmer with with my family, uh, I was always aware, All I can, oh, I can never not be aware of a man called Tom Blower, who was the first man to swim the, the, the North Channel from Donoghadee to Port Patrick. He achieved that in 1947. And I can always remember my, my, my granny and grandis saying about, you know, our oh, young fella, you'll never be as good as Tom Bloor. And then uh, the, the other name that at that time who, who, who we were brought up with a man, was a man called Kevin Murphy, who was the next man to swim between, between Donoghadee and, and Port Patrick, uh, which was 1970. So it, it, was, it was 23 years between, between uh, the, the first and the second swimmer. So I was always conscious of those two names, but in many in many ways they they were they were like the George Best and the Pele and, and the Bobby Charlton of the swimming world, and that they were way way beyond what you know any of us normal people could do. We were reared in, in this part of the world with a background of of, uh, of the Donoghadee to Copeland the Copeland Island swim. And that was that. That seemed a lot more achievable than what the the the, the elite people going to Donoghadee to Port Patrick, um, and it, it for for a while the Donoghadee Donoghadee to Copeland Island was an annual swim in, in this area. So again, to answer your question, yes, I was always aware of of that tradition, but in many ways the 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 as I say the the. the one from Donoghadee to Port Patrick was unassailable. It, it, it was for the absolute elite, and and I guess that still is the case. That still is the case. We we, as I say, we're in a very unique position in Donoghadee because Donoghadee to Port Patrick is is now one of the Ocean Seven swims, which is the seven hardest swims in the in in the world. 
Uh, in fact, Donnacadie to Port Patrick would, would be considered to be the toughest of the seven. Uh, and we're unique in that that, that can't change, that, that, that will always be the case. So we, we are now, with, with the increase in interest in open water swimming, an increase in interest in the Ocean Seven, we are only going to see an increase of channel swimmers coming here. And we are so, so fortunate to get to meet, to get to meet and swim with these people because these people are the very, very top of their chosen sport. They're elite athletes uh, and, and yet they're the most humble, down-to-earth, likeable people. Uh, and they come down and they, they mix with us, they swim with us, they, they share cake with us, they share co- coffee with us. Um, I hope I hope that we're laying a foundation that my grandchildren, you know, will will look back on and say, I remember my grandad swam with that person, I remember my grandad swam I remember my grandad swam the Copeland Islands. Because I look back to my grandparents and I have a photograph in the house of my grand my grandad standing with Tom Lower in nineteen forty seven. And I hope that my grandchildren in days to come will look back and say, there's grandest standing with one, one of the swimmers. And uh, So yes, I, I, I've very, always been very aware of that. I, I think through the period of the Troubles, Northern Ireland lost its way a wee bit with the swimming. It, it remained stronger down south than it did in Northern Ireland. But thankfully it, it, it is seeing a resurgence in this area, or in Northern Ireland. Uh, it's growing, and I would I would imagine it's, it will continue to grow. What is it about swimming cake. in the open water? It's cake. It's all, <laughs> it's, it, all, it all boils down to cake, fresh homemade cake. Oh, it's the cake after. It's the cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I think it, it really is a combination of, of everything. It's sense of community. It's meeting people. I uh, my wife has just recently retired. Uh, I, I had a relapse quite bad of depression this time last year and Catherine had to uh, Catherine had to she took time off her work and um, ultimately she ended up retiring, taking early retirement she's 60 and she one of her reasons why she, she didn't want to retire because she felt she would she wondered what she'd do with her life and we were just chatting recently, which is now almost she's almost a year off work now, and she says she hasn't missed it at all, and she puts that down to the sense of community that she she finds in her daily swim with the dunkers. She goes in and she, she she has her swim, and Catherine, by her admission, wouldn't be a strong swimmer. She goes in, she dawdles about, swims about, comes out, has a cup of coffee, has has you know has has a bite to eat and. We spent maybe an hour here, um, but in saying that, in saying she's a weak swimmer, she's one of the ones that that, that toddled her way around the kilometre in cold water, and she's so proud of her achievement. Uh, so, uh, to answer your, your question, it's it's the mall, but the cake is most important. <laughs> the cakes. I did cakes, not expect cake. that answer. <laughs> 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 no. Um, do you know anything else? Could you tell me anything else about the history of open sea swimming in Ireland and maybe in your area in particular, apart from this? Uh... There's always been swimming. 
and I think I've touched on it there before, but it goes back. The, 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 again, it's it's the uniqueness of Donegal's position is the big thing. Beyond our pre pre Tom Blower, the the channel had been tried by a woman called Mercedes Gleitz in 1928. She she was she was a remarkable woman. Um, she was a, a by her, by her name indicates she's German. She was actually born. She was born to German parents in England. But she was remarkable in that she was probably a forerunner or a pioneer in sponsorship. She was a very glamorous girl and she, she swam she swam the English Channel. She was the first English person, English female to swim the English Channel. And she got sponsored by companies like Rolex and... Uh, uh, to, to pay her to do to, to achieve to go do swimming almost just as a professional and they, and this, this is in 1918 she, she started swimming and to think that she 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 was getting sponsored you know 100 over 100 years ago for 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 a, is, is remarkable she was a real remarkable woman but she she tried she tried the north channel here in 19 it was 1927 or 28 I can't remember exactly but she had seven. She had seven goes at it, uh, and on one occasion almost lost her life. Um, she had four goes from this side, from Donaghadee to swim from Donaghadee to Port Patrick, and she was failed to finish them all. In the swimming community, they don't like to use the, the term "failed." They always put D and F. Did not finish. Mercedes didn't finish. Uh, and then she had three goals from the Scottish side and didn't finish, so and all in all. And she went on to have a remarkable career. She swam the Gibraltar Straits. She was the first person ever to swim the Gibraltar, Strait, Gibraltar Straits. Um, and then, I guess, the war stepped or came into it, and Tom Bloor took the challenge then again, took the challenge up after, after the war. Um, the big thing in this area was is the Copeland swim. It, it 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 was an annual thing for a long, long time, and then like everything else, it it takes somebody to push it. And that, that person was a man called um, McVicker. He was a he was a police constable in Donaghadee, and he was a strong swimmer. He he crewed for Mercedes Glitz, uh, and he was the one done all the organisation of the Copeland swim. And then when he he moved on. Like everything else, nobody stepped into the breach and the swim fell by the wayside. So swimming swimming is a long history in this area. And I guess, you know, with the modern technolo- technological age, it died for a long time. But people are now realising the, the benefits, the potential benefits of it. And thankfully it's, it's seen a great resurgence. The, the, numbers are, the numbers of groups around the area, uh, in Bangor and Donoghadee, Malayle, uh, obviously, and Strangford is has seen a real a real boom time. So it's that that would be a wee bit of the history of Donaghadee. I think it's one of those things that you can easily get a, not addicted. I'm not sure if addicted is the right word, but it's just when you get used to doing it, it's almost like you can't live without it. Addicted is the, is the right word. You, you've you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, people talk about. People talk about uh, marathon running, 
that you know that you become addicted to it and you need to do it. Well, I find that if I don't, if I if I miss a day, I get grouchy. You know, I really I really do feel I'm addicted to it. And it'd be the one warning I would give to anybody who wants to take it up. It is definitely addictive. It is most definitely addictive. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure. Or I wouldn't want to say, but it is addictive. And, <laughs> and I would recommend the addiction to anybody. So I guess that, that leads me to my last two questions. And that's, uh, would you recommend oh. um, Open Sea Swimming to anybody? And would you have any tips for new swimmers? Obviously I would. I would recommend it to anybody. Anybody at all. Uh, couldn't, re- couldn't recommend it highly enough. Tips for a new swimmer is to go very gradual. Don't swim by yourself. Join a group. Join a group, or go go and get this. Find out where the local group is, and go. And you'll. I would lay odds that you'll find the most welcoming and friendly group of people you'll ever you'll ever come across. Uh, swim with them. Be very conservative. If you think you can do a hundred meters, do fifty. Do 50, do 60, do 70. Build up to it. Just take it very, very slow and gradual, and it'll become it'll become something that that you will you it'll be all consuming. You'll have to have a Charlie McLeod or a dry robe. You'll have to have the the nice new shorts. You'll have to have this and you'll have that there. It is it becomes literally total, totally all consuming, but it it it, is, it has changed my life. It's changed my life, and, and I wouldn't want to change any of that at all. Thank you very much. It's been most helpful and informative and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Martin. Okay, Suzanne. I will be eternally grateful to Martin for letting me make this interview public and available to you guys. Take from it what you need, what you find helpful and perhaps see you out there in the wild water enjoying the benefits of cold immersion. If you live in Northern Ireland and would love to come for a swim with the Dunagadi Chunky Dunkers, you can find them on Facebook and join the group. And remember, no wetsuits allowed. There isn't really much else I can add to that conversation. So the only thing that remains for this episode is a recipe. And I have something truly simple this time. Recently, I've visited Italy and enjoyed great quality olive oil all week. So today's recipe is all about the olive oil and we will use it to make vegan butter. On my trip to Bologna and Florence, I had to pop into local health food shops as I always do on my holidays. It's kind of my thing. You know, some people go to beaches, some people visit bars, some people visit museums. Well, I visit health food shops. And in one of them, I discovered a very simple, minimally processed vegan butter made out of only two ingredients extra virgin olive oil and cacao butter. Of course, I bought it and I tried it, both as a butter and as a body lotion. And I completely fell in love with it, so much so that I decided to make it at home and now I can't live without it. It's incredibly simple to make. You really only need two ingredients and I absolutely love it. The simplicity of it is unreal. All you need is good quality, preferably cold-pressed, organic, extra virgin olive oil, and a raw organic cacao butter in 70 to 30% ratio. If you love your fats, you want to make at least 200 gram pot in one go. So we will use 140 milliliters of olive oil and 60 grams of cacao butter. 
You melt the cocoa butter first in a bowl placed over a pot of boiling water and when it's fully melted, you set it aside to cool down. When it's cool enough, but still liquid, um, you will stir in the olive oil and when you're happy, it's all well combined, you just pour it either in a glass jar or a lined Tupperware with the lid and refrigerate it. It will sit overnight and then you'll end up with a plant-based butter of a wonderful texture. You can totally play with the ratios if you like, but I think that the 70-30 ratio works perfect because you need enough cacao butter to make your block solid enough to keep the texture right, but you need enough olive oil to keep it soft enough to spread it even when it's just out of the fridge. You can of course make this with any other good quality uh, cold pressed oil. Something like hemp oil, I do highly recommend trying the hemp oil version, which would also work really well as a body lotion, just like the olive one. Um, do make sure you're using really good quality oil if you can. Um, it makes a world of difference, especially if you decide to use it. Um, I have to confess, I've been using it as a body lotion pretty much every night and oh my word, it is absolutely beautiful. Um, and that's it for this time have a lovely couple of weeks find a swimming group near you if you can and give the cold wild water a try i can highly recommend it and more importantly whatever you do stay healthy until next time bye as every week your host is myself Susanna from the sweet spot Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.